And then I, I sounded retarded when I was talking too. I sound like a. I was almost gonna get radio commercials and then just reread the radio commercials because I think I enjoy that. Why? What? What ra uh, radio commercials? You know, like ads for like Clorox, or uh, you know, <laughs> like when I play around with my microphone, that's that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to copy ads. That's why I drink AG One. Nah, yeah, like everybody does that now. Like they insert ads into their like video podcasts. That's monetization. Yeah, but then what I noticed is that um, they don't have a, as much, um, you know, on YouTube how it just like randomly skips into an ad. Yeah. And then it's fucked. Like you can't escape it. Yes. So like, what everybody else is doing is like incorporating ads into um, their stream or whatever it is. And then, but you could skip it if you want. Yeah. But they still cut in like, like Joe Rogan still cuts in like, you know, the ad like just starts. It catches, mm -hmm. catches no, you off like, guard. But like for people who like post stuff on YouTube, they'll like cut into an ad but then you can skip their entire ad. That's what I like. Because it's still part of the stream. Oh, I see. Yeah, but Joe Rogan, like before on Spotify, um, you could skip his ad. I just fast forward 30 seconds. I hit that fast forward 30 seconds. Yeah, but now like you can't, or at least I can't, when I listen to his um, podcast on Spotify, like, before it says, you know, like the fast forward 10 seconds, whatever. Yeah. Um, now you can't do that, which is fucking lame. At least I can. Everybody needs ads. You know, I would do, I would do ads for free. Just send them to me. <laughs> well, we've been doing it for free. I've been doing ads for Armbar Soap, AG1. What else? Uh, triathlon gear. Triathlon gear, felt triathlon bikes. Whatever that, um, what's that, what's that thing called? Uh, the, Esters. no, no, the, the wetsuit type thing. TYR, TYR swim gear, currently 30% off site-wide, no coupon code necessary for Black Friday. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, like that? <laughs> yeah. Links posted in the episode description. Exactly. All right. So, you know what, uh, you know, one thing I did want to save from my solo episode was about, um, I wanted to talk about popcorn. Popcorn. I was standing in line for a popcorn place. Mm. They had the commercial popcorn machine. And then, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, hold on, let me get this how to start a popcorn business in seven days window out of here. Hold on. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Uh, there's still a company that's called, uh, where, where do they even have a popcorn place other than like the movie theater? Carousel candy. Jesus. Where is that? It's available at Kahala mall. Mm. Free parking, two levels, Kahala mall. There you go. Located conveniently across from the surf camp store, right by the Apple store. You know what carousel candy? 
No, bro. <laughs> I've never heard of it. You never heard of carousel candy? No. Where it's all sugar. It's what? everywhere. Oh, so they do like, um, what is the freaking word? Flavored popcorn. Yeah, but there's a more um, elegant word for it. Designer. Designer popcorn. <laughs> designer popcorn. Yes. They do designer popcorn. They had nacho cheese and sour cream. They had, I had like 12 flavors. Yeah, I guess that's, I guess, that, you know, like, I, I guess, you know, you, you got to try to reinvent the wheel, right? It's very profitable popcorn. Is it really? Like, is there, I mean, I guess there's a line, right? There's a, there's a huge markup on popcorn. Damn. Popcorn. Profit. Profitability. But I guess even like hot dogs too, right? There's like designer hot dogs that they have. Yeah, that's true. Wasn't that uh, H- Hank's hot dogs? Yeah, there's Hank's. Um, I know there's one. <laughs> the reason why I bring up hot dogs is because one of my friends posted a story um, of this hot dog place at UH. Um, and then um, his hot dog that he took a picture of had like bacon on it or something. It's a gourmet hot dog. Yeah. No, they say um, one one website said 20 to 30% profit margin. I thought it would be higher than that. Oh, easily as high as 80%. Oh, yeah. That's pretty high. It's fucking corn. It's popped corn. Yeah, corn is cheap. Shit, I was going to say something else, too, about profit margins. Frappuccino is the biggest profit margin for Starbucks. Uh, I mean, I could see that. People are so... People are into, like, all that fucking high sugar content stuff. I mean, just call it coffee yeah. and then you can drink whatever you want. Literally makes no sense because it's not even coffee. It's like a 400% markup. I mean, that's a, I mean, that's why Starbucks is so successful, right? I mean, but also too, it's like um, a status thing at the end of the day, right? It's like, you know, you have a Starbucks cup. It's, it, it, uh, it uh, yes. attracts, it attracts people. If you're going to study somewhere, you got to have a Starbucks cup. Yeah, or even even just like going to work too. Um, I noticed, like, if I have um, a Starbucks cup in my hand, people are always um, very trying envious. Get, of me. Trying to give you their phone numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Starbucks. No, that. So what I was wondering was, where did the commercial popcorn machine come from? Hmm. Yeah, that, I mean that's a good. Who even? Who even invented popcorn? Oh, I'm glad you should ask. The Indians. No, I don't know. Popcorn's been around for a long time. <laughs> it was around for a long time. When did it become like um um like an exclusive thing to for moviegoers where popcorn is like the thing? Like personally, I just like I do not like popcorn. It's not my thing. It's not really my thing either, but I was curious about commercial popcorn. What is what is commercial popcorn? I'm glad you asked. Like just <laughs> So there's a guy there's a guy, his name was Charles Craters. Okay. And uh, he lived in Illinois. 
Okay. And he had a confectionery shop. And he okay. bought a peanut roasting machine. Okay. I'm still following. He brought he bought a peanut roasting machine. He was not satisfied with it, so he started tinkering with it and to make it a better peanut roasting machine and then realized he can do popcorn. So he had this corn. Yeah, popcorn and then also you could cook it in seasoning so you could put oil on it. Mm. Why would you want to cook it in oil? Yeah, why? Let me tell you. Because <laughs> if each kernel is coated in oil, it all heats up at the same rate so you don't have burnt popcorn. Ah, uh, okay. Well, I mean, that's not is that is that true? It because is if you it is if you have a commercial popcorn machine. Uh, I guess so. I guess the way it was designed, yeah. Yeah, so But then you get but then you you see like people dumping large amounts of kernels in the machine and how does it all cook evenly? Cuz there's a flat surface. No, but some obviously the the ones at the bottom will cook first. Yeah, and then right. they come up to the top, and then one, then the next ones have their turn. Oh, do they? I think I don't so. Know these things. I don't know. I'm not a popcorn maker, but I think that that's the way it goes. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because when you see like at the movie theater, the popcorn machines, um, it'll come out of the little thing, right? It'll overflow. It overflows, and they open up a window, and they scoop it through the window from the top. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so this guy, he took his, it was run by a steam engine. He took it to the World's Fair and he gave out free samples. And then after that, everybody's hooked. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, how many, what, what year did uh, he invent this thing? Well, he made his company in 1885. So like 100 years. Uh, let me do some math real quick. That's like almost 150 years, I think. Yeah. So it's a staple. I think they still have the company, C Craters and Company. Oh yeah, but I I would imagine that they weren't they aren't making as much money as they were before, with all the other places uh, revolutionizing the popcorn making industry. They must. No, I think they still do. Oh yeah, you think so? Well, there's one way to check. Let's see. Let's ask Google. See creators and company. I think, I think they might still be in. I don't know if this is the same one, but there's a creators. They might have just stole his name, but there's a creators that uh, sells commercial popcorn equipment, concession equipment. Annual revenue. Let's see. No, I think that's the same company. Thirty-one point two million dollars. Oh. Wait, I have conflicting information. Maybe this is a maybe this is a typo. The three point one. Maybe it's supposed to be thirty one point one. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money in popcorn. And they only have one hundred and fourteen employees. So they're making of, bucks. That's a lot of money per person. I hope so. It's not like some uh, slave labor uh, thought- going on. So I guess Chicago, is Chicago in Illinois? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I got to do, I got to do more geography. Yeah, dude. Well, well, I thought Chicago was it before when I was younger, I thought Chicago was a state. It should be. 
Yeah, because that's basically the only place that people know in Illinois anyway, right? Yeah, because this guy's this guy's born in Ohio. Is that next to Chicago? Probably. Like nobody I I I have never heard anything great about Ohio, so probably. There's a lot of memes about leaving Ohio. Yeah, apparently Ohio's like um that's a nice way to put it. Uh, Somebody described it as the armpit of the United States. Yes, yes, I've heard this as well. Let me check my map it, to make sure that we're not going to offend anybody. Because uh, I don't I think mean, we have—I don't think we have any listeners in Ohio. Whoever is from Ohio would probably say the same thing. Well, if right? you're from Ohio, the message is you need to get out. Yeah, I've as, heard this as fast as you can. Yeah, I've heard this as well. Speaking of geography, the CJJF in uh, Germany. Oh yeah, what about? Is that why people are listening to this in Germany? I think there was a couple in Germany. Are there people? Are there people listening in Germany? There's like two dozen in um, Brussels. I don't. I don't know if we have an academy in Brussels. Is that in Germany? Yeah, it's in. Sounds like, it's definitely in Germany. So, sounds like it's in England. I mean, if they are listening in Germany, you know, shout out. Shout out to um, the, our the listeners in uh, Germany. So Brussels is in Belgium, which yeah. is not in Germany. It's not. Is it? I don't. I gotta check the internet. I don't think so. Belgium and Germany, I don't think, are the same thing. All right. <clears throat> well, we have no listeners in Germany. We have two dozen listeners in Belgium. Okay. <laughs> I don't know anybody in um, Belgium, but thanks for listening. I love your waffles, Belgium. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you know what? Um, awesome so the, waffles. Awesome waffles. The kingdom of Belgium is in northwestern Europe. Uh, okay. It's bordered by the Netherlands and Germany. Okay, so it's like a subset of uh, Germany. Yeah, you know, I thought, I thought because of the jujitsu in Germany that that was what it was coming from, but I have no idea why somebody in Belgium would listen to a nonsense podcast. I mean, you know, maybe they're just trying to um, fill the time. What language do they speak? Well, hopefully English. They must. Would you Would you listen to a podcast that you can't understand? Uh, yeah, probably not. I'm gonna start instead of studying. Instead of studying uh, popcorn machines, I'm gonna start studying geography before I make these things. And and language probably. Dutch, French, and German. Luxem Luxembourgish. They're basically better than. The entire United States, so they're like trilingual. I think everybody who's not in the United States. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, everybody who's not in the United States is bilingual because they have to learn English. Well, somebody is a... somebody told me that if you're like in Spain, then you're mm -hmm. right near. I really got to study the geography, but you're right near, let's say France, I think. Okay. So it would make sense if you learn some French, you can go 
right down the way, theoretically, and then you're in France, and then you go, I'm assuming the other way, you end up in Italy, so you speak Italian, and mm-hmm. then you'd go over to Europe, and you'd have to speak European, <laughs> and then you you would end up <laughs> in shit. in Dusseldorf. Oh my God, dude. Where did Dusseldorf come from? Where did what are we what are we talking Dusseldorf. about? Dusseldorf. I think yeah. Dusseldorf is in Germany. That's in Germany? I'm pretty sure. That's where the jujitsu's at. It's in Dusseldorf. Okay. Right? I yeah, I think we have a academy there. I'm pretty sure. All right, but these listeners are in Belgium. Okay, well. Thanks for listening. Um Please forgive us for our uh, incompetence. Thanks for letting us show you that Americans are stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Fuck, I'm going to have to edit this thing out. All right, moving on. Popcorn. Popcorn, very lucrative. Popcorn. Apparently, it's a $31 million business. Apparently, you can start it in seven easy steps. What is, like, the first step i would assume it's getting a popcorn machine well yeah i mean obviously and then you probably well, need a license popcorn machine commercial popcorn machines yeah and then you'd probably have to pass like some food safety ex- inspection and have like a um food handlers license oh god they're like twenty thousand dollars jesus dude that would take you that would that seems like it would take forever to pay off. You have to sell a lot of fucking popcorn to sell that thing. Yeah. It's like you'd have to move around the entire city or wherever you're at to be freaking paying for that damn popcorn machine. You sell it for like $8 or you sprinkle some shit on it and call it gourmet popcorn and sell it for $8 yeah, a bag. Yeah. Oh, that's the word. Gourmet. Gourmet. Designer. Designer popcorn. Designer. Same, same shit. All right. Uh, you have the notes. Learning from instructional or online. Oh, yeah. But that seems like, uh, I guess so, if you're like a newbie and you like I think that's a invest problem. all this money. Yeah, I think it's a problem, though, is people like think they're going to learn from instructionals. But if, after you do it for like 10 years... It you can listen to it, and you can picture where to which direction to go and wh- where to place you know what and what is the important parts of it. But when you're new, you can't even do that with a live instruction. Yeah, I think the problem with um, instructionals too when you're new is uh, again you have no foundation of where um, you're going with it unless it's like a really good um, instructional where it's you pretty much buy like a basics or like a a fundamentals type of instructional. Yeah. But that's not the one that Um, you want. You want the flashy one. Yeah, exactly. What is even the point of going to class really? I mean, other than practicing what you learned in the instructional, right? Well, isn't that the problem with some people is they'll choose to try and learn from the instructional instead of going to class. They're just going to go to open mat and try their shit out. Yeah. So like, um i know like gracie university so that's like 
So they have their whole online thing where you could get like belt promotions too. Uh, that sounds super legit. If you um, imagine like not having a training partner or anything like that to where, and you're doing all this stuff and then you're like, okay, yeah, I'm a blue belt now or whatever. I'm a purple belt. Um, that just seems so freaking ridiculous and unrealistic because when they actually go to an academy and they spar, they're going to find, you know, that's not, um, basically they're doing perfect world jujitsu, I think. Well, the good thing is, is that they'll be surprised. I mean, yeah. And they'll probably be pissed off that they wasted a bunch of money. Well, I'm sure you could learn from, you know, that type of an online thing, but I don't think they realize it would be better to keep the white belt when you go to your first in-person. Yeah, but when you're at that point, you know, especially um, new people and especially, like, people who have their blue belts, they have, like, so much pride. Mm. I don't want to freaking start start any drama, but... Um, we know somebody is a certain belt rank, and um, when he showed up to the academy, his skill level wasn't that of their belt rank. And the recommendation was that they should start all over, basically. And, um, and this person uh, did not want to do that, even though... Um, their skill level was not of their belt ranks level coming from a, uh, another academy on Island. I won't name names, mm. but I've seen, I've seen that more than once where somebody shows up and they have the wrong belt and then they get asked to maybe wear, maybe start over. <laughs> and you know, the good thing is if they're like, uh, if they have the right mindset, then they'll be like, yeah, shit, good call. Sounds good. Right? Yeah, but uh, I mean, I, I guess I could see it from their standpoint where, you know, they felt like they worked so hard for that promotion and whatever. And, you know, it's it almost seems offensive to where you go to a different academy and they're like, yeah, you should probably uh, have a different... Uh, belt rank was that a thing instagram jujitsu guys i mean apparently i put um i'm gonna get back into this i put um on my feed i put not interested in some nonsense jujitsu stuff and then it asked me if i wanted to put in keywords not to recommend and i put jujitsu in there <laughs> i'm tired of seeing podcast? this shit no, on my Instagram feed. Oh. I was getting all these shit videos of... Uh, like, oh, how'd you do that? Oh, just when you when it pops up and you're, you're not following them or anything or you're browsing, you just yeah, click yeah. on the... I think you click on the little X. Like, ah, uh, yeah. And then the, the menus come up like not interested or like follow more or don't suggest posts. And one of the options I think is to like... Don't suggest posts uh, containing whatever keywords. Oh, nice. Yeah, usually I just put it's irrelevant. 
Yeah, I was doing that for a while, but it wouldn't stop. Yeah, true. Oh, pro tip. Yeah, the new guy who took over for Kurt Osiander, you know, on the move of the week. Yeah. You, you seen him? No, because I put, I put that I don't want to see any jujitsu stuff. This guy is like the total opposite, like, I don't even know, dude. It's just so fucking embarrassing. I hope it's like non-jujitsu people liking those posts. But also, too, it's a lot of bots. That's true, too. It's a lot of bots in there. And, you know, you can, did you know you can pay, you can yeah. pay Instagram to, to push your content? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's ridiculous. I feel tricked. Yeah. And you can pay like other services for like followers. So it looks like, you know, you're legit. And when you go to these pages and you see like whatever, 70K, 100K followers, um, you're not going into their followers list and looking at like who's following them, right? Yeah, maybe I should know. But yeah, ever since... I mean, ever since I found that out, I started doing that. I'm just like, oh, this is a bunch of fakes. I wonder, see, now I'm questioning, like, I wonder if those Down Syndrome cooking guys aren't doing the same thing. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. No, I think theirs is, like, genuine followers. You think so? Most of them, I think so. No, just the three guys. Yeah, yeah. no, most of the followers, I think, are, like, real. I'm going to put a link to their page. It's a, it's a pretty amazing page. If it's you called, haven't seen it. It's called Get Down with Sean and Marley, I think. <laughs> no, is it really? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't yeah. seek this out. This thing popped up on my... I don't know why it popped up on my feed. My algorithm. I mean, sometimes, it, sometimes Instagram gives you gifts, you know? And you just got to... I just gotta go with it. I know, and I'm not making fun of them. It's they're the ones posting the content. Yeah, get down with Sean and Marley. Eight hundred ninety-two thousand followers. <laughs> oh my god, dude! I mean, Cyrus follows up. <laughs> Cyrus, Cyrus does follow him. That's right, because yeah. you can see who else is following. Yeah, him. you can you can see the mutual followers. <laughs> oh, oh my god. Bro, well, at least we I know. have at least we know. <laughs> I have one, two, three. Oh my god! All right, yeah, Cyrus follows him. I have. You have other people following them. I have uh, one, two, three other people from work oh my following him. Did you send this to them? No, I did. I didn't send it to them. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. These oh and these God. are people that I would not have expected. Oh yeah. Oh, interesting. Why I don't know why they're following them? Probably because they want to fucking get that with Sean and Marley. Fuck. <laughs> it's wholesome Holy content. Shit. I mean, dude. I mean, Instagram is the worst, you know, because they show you like your friends that like certain stuff, and you know, sometimes it pops up on your feed like, "Hey, this person liked this." And, you're like what the fuck are these people fucking yes. looking at on Instagram yeah actually I should I should look at who's liking these trash jujitsu posts that's what I should do dude I've seen some people from the academy liking um, some pretty garbage stuff 
I think part five should be the new part two because, like you said, part two is goes a little bit beyond. I think. Yeah. Yeah. This is part two of the. I gotta scroll all the way up. Progressing in jujitsu. We're in the second part of our uh, jujitsu series. All right. So the second part of the jujitsu series, we'll call this part two. I have it titled "Learning from Instructionals." and the evolution of instruction. So these are either online academies, um, instructional videos, and I'd also like to talk about the evolution of jiu-jitsu instruction briefly and how that affects you as a new person. Because this whole thing was geared towards new new people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So somebody who is uh, like out there just collecting information and thinking about different things. And so this is one of the things you should think about learning from instructional videos. So where, where do we start on this? The history of instructional videos. Do you remember what the first instructional video you saw was? Um, shoot. It was a... It was a bunch because I um, illegally downloaded them. Allegedly. Um, allegedly. Um, I got them off of a website. Did they have internet back in that day? Yeah, dude. This was like fucking 2010. It was from Budo Videos, I bet. I, yeah, they were Budo Videos um, recordings of DVDs. So I guess where we could start is all the instructionals would come from DVDs and usually they would come after a certain person won the world championships and then they would release their Budo videos DVD. So Budo videos was like the site to go to if you wanted any kind of jujitsu instructional content. And they used to, they used to sell gear too, right? Nogi stuff. Uh, some yeah, yeah, yeah. So all the releases, like especially like Shoyro when they're coming up, they would always release on Budo videos, and they're freaking just impossible to get. That's that's right. Yeah, and then um, everybody else tried or pretty much copied the same model as Shoyro with the limited releases and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think the first couple instructionals I had was I had a Cobrinho one. I actually had the Shoyro one, which was half guard taught by the owner. I had Damien Maya's one and I had a Andre Galval one. Um, I think, I think the Ryan, yeah. didn't Ryan Hall have one around the same time? Yeah. Ryan Hall too. I didn't get, I didn't find that one um, on the internet. Uh, but yeah, Ryan Hall had a 50, 51. So I had the actual, Somebody had given me the actual DVDs, and I had a Abmar Barbosa Jiu-Jitsu Outlaw. Oh, okay. Nice. And I think that was the only one that I had. And I didn't really, like, try and learn from the instructional. Yeah, actually, me me neither. A lot of them were in Portuguese, and then they were translated into English, and the narrator was just, like, horrible. I remember a lot of people saying that that's what you want to watch if you want to fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, it was pretty dry. And I think the techniques that they're showing in those instructionals are pretty much outdated at this point. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't know how much use um, it would be now, but definitely at the time, uh, it was it would have been useful maybe. But did the did the techniques change much, or is it the in, instruction, the style of instruction that changed from ten years ago? Some of the techniques changed, yeah, um, as far as development goes. But as far as the in, the type of instruction, it got way better when everybody started releasing their own online platform. Mm-hmm. So I think some of that was language. Like you said, the early ones were in Portuguese. Yeah. Yeah. And then <clears throat> this is, this is what I think about jujitsu instruction history to now. I think originally the guys that were really good told you what the move was, how to do it. And then that was your instruction. But the reason mm-hmm. why they, the reason why they were good and you sucked is because they knew when to use the move and you needed to spend the next 10 years figuring out when to use the move. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Right. Um, so, so if you look at systems yeah. now, the way that they're explained, it's more systematic. It's more, if yeah. you see this, then you do this. If you see this, then you do this. They have these two choices to respond. If they do one, you have options one, two, and three. If they do two, you have options four, five, and six. And I think that style of instruction has really changed the way that people are learning this now in a short amount of time. Yeah, it makes it a lot easier to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Before, in instructionals, they, yeah, like you were saying, they would just show you moves and you would kind of have to figure it out how to incorporate it into your style of jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, or just completely change your style to be how the person in the instructional plays their game in order for it to be effective. We used to basically, you know, learn a few techniques and you would go to class and you would like try and pick like two techniques that you would, mm-hmm. that you would work on. And if you happen to see the position where it popped up and it was applicable, then you would try it. And of course you would fail. Yeah. Because you wouldn't have it quite right. But then yeah. it was all about like waiting for that opportunity that you could try it out. Yeah, I don't know now if because it's so streamlined that the population is necessarily not worse. But, you know, like when you have to spoon feed somebody, mm-hmm. their experience kind of diminishes because they have things so easily given to them versus when we would see these things and we would have to figure it out for ourselves where, and then it gets like ingrained. I don't know. Is that the um, instant gratification society? Is that part of the problem? Yeah. Yeah. I get, yeah, that's a, that's, that's the word I was looking for. Like instant gratification. They have things so easily that they aren't able to think critically of, you know, situations that they're put in. So if you're a new person starting out, you need to slow things down a little bit and you need to turn off your Instagram and realize that (laughs) it's going to take a lot of trial and error before like these things become habits before they become natural. And it's not, 
you know, you're not going to go in there and put your phone down and walk out of there with highlights unless you want to be the person on the receiving end of the highlight. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess that goes into like what we we're going to talk about, which was drilling, right? Mm -hmm. Because you would have to drill these moves over and over again for it to be ingrained into basically your game or even muscle memory. So yeah, I mean, instructionals are great, but you also have to put in the work in a, for, for you to be able to like utilize, uh, the content from the instructionals. So one of the good things about instructionals is it makes you aware, like if they show something like Tarico Plata, um, it uh -huh. makes you aware. So when you see somebody setting it up and you feel your arm getting stuck and you can recognize it, now you know some bad shit's about to happen and you can get out of there. So, you know, as far as increasing your awareness, I think the more that you see, the better off you are. Yeah, but yeah. But if you're going to try and learn as a new person, you know, learn a move that you're going to go try out, I'm not sure that that's the best way to do it. Yeah, and you get that a lot um, where you're rolling with the lower belt and then they try something that you as the instructor know you've never taught. <laughs> and, um, you know, they try it out on you when you're sparring with them or even when you're watching them spar and you're like, hey, Why'd you do that? And it's like, oh yeah, I saw it on Instagram. Oh, it's like, God. oh God. It's like, just don't do it. Yeah. So, you know, we had, we were talking about like a deep half guard situation and somebody was trying to show somebody deep half guard, but they had gotten into the position. It looked like deep half, except the person mm -hmm. was like sitting on their chest and they're pinned. Oh, Okay. So yeah. those kinds of things can happen when you don't really fully understand the move. And yeah. I think that's yeah. one of the dangers of trying to learn from instructionals is when you're starting out, it's maybe not so easy to picture exactly which direction or what the movement or the details are. Especially when you're just first starting out, you don't know which is what's good and what's not good. Mm -hmm. So you might be just spending your time uh, looking at total trash and then try it and have it not work for however long you want to continue to try to practice what you're learning on these instructionals. And even on YouTube videos, like God, there's some, some things that are just like totally perfect world jujitsu, like we've talked about before. And it, that becomes and, easier to identify that stuff the more time you spend training. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what makes Instagram so irritating when you see all this nonsense. Yeah, and YouTube. Like, you could literally search for whatever technique, and you'll have a bunch of different people, some, some with credibility and then some with no credibility, you know? Mm-hmm on there just teaching this stuff not to say that that they're necessarily wrong but as a experienced jujitsu person you wouldn't be looking at these you know joe blows versus somebody who has you know competition experience and have done these um techniques because the guys who do it in competition and the guys who are very successful in competition they proved 
that it works because you're in a really high stakes scenario where you're showcasing a technique and you know it, it works at the highest level so that's really i guess where you want to look if you want to invest in um instructionals right because uh, wow. what they should realize is that pretty much anybody can look at something and then kind of do it on a not resisting static person and make it kind of look like what the move kind of is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And another thing too is, you know, a lot of the people on YouTube, they take a lot of these techniques that they've watched from the instructionals that they've purchased and post them on their YouTube account because they want the viewership, mm -hmm. but not necessarily being experts in that particular technique. So yeah, that's another problem. This this content creation world is killing me. It's it's freaking wild because people are so content hungry and that you know, they'll just they'll just do anything for for views, right? They're they're like whores. They're content whores. That's why that's why when I make this these episodes I don't give a shit if you don't want to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's like, it's just for fun. And if you want to listen, then, you know, awesome. We say some pretty, pretty decent stuff. Um, it's not law or anything, but we do, we do um, speak from experience and we do say pretty truthful things that probably nobody else would probably say. Yeah, and... You know, on that note, when it comes to teaching, like you have some people teaching some stuff that they saw. Uh, I won't make any references, but let's say they saw it uh, in the morning and then they try and teach it, you know, as like something that that's theirs. Ah, uh, yeah. And the way to find out if it's nonsense is just ask them a question about the move. Like what happens if the person... <laughs> does this and they'll be like yeah uh i don't know because they don't right so you know for me if you're a higher yeah. belt and you're learning for inst from instructionals you shouldn't be showing that until you have learned it yourself you know every single detail of it and you've tried it out and it's you've made it work for you then maybe you should show somebody else but until you have used it and you understand it and you know that you can make it work, then I don't think you have any business uh, bootlegging that to other people either. Yeah, or you like disclaimer, right? Like, hey, I don't know if this works, but I just saw it yes. um, and I want to try it out. Yeah. Um, so you got you to gotta put the disclaimer on if you ever want to do anything like that. Like sometimes I'll just show stuff in the academy just to give people like different looks or even like introduce them to new things. But I would never say like, oh, I am an expert in this or anything like that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't come off as I know everything there is to know about this particular move. Like, um, like you mentioned, like Tariko Plata, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'll show it in the Academy and I'll, I'll mention the things that I was taught from the person, but, if you ask me more questions on it, I'm not an expert and you'd probably have to go do your research. That's a little bit different because the guy that invented it used it on you and then showed you how to do it. 
Yeah, but as far as like really like teaching it in depth, I can't really teach it in depth. I just know basics. To show it, right? Yeah, to show the general move. Um, but if you want to learn more in-depth things like variations and different setups and like that, um, you'd probably have to go search for the guy yourself and learn it for yourself. But realizing that kind of a limitation and the limitation of what you're teaching, I think is also a part of knowing what you're doing. And, mm -hmm. you know, you can't get that from watching instructionals. Yeah. So yeah. the instructionals, yeah, they come a long way and they're, they're very, very good, especially, um, of course, all of the DDS stuff, the way that they go so in depth and so systematic. It's very, very good. But mm -hmm. there, there is, as a new person, you'll get more value of going to class and having somebody there to fix your little mistakes, to answer your little questions, and to make better, solid progress than if you try and do it on your own. Yeah, I think in the beginning, everybody should just be really focusing on attending class and learning all foundational things. And then when you reach a certain level of experience in jiu-jitsu, you're able to go out and and study all these different areas that you know you want to either improve on or incorporate into your game. And then you can bring it back to the training room and you can start practicing it there, but that but it doesn't start with that in the beginning. It starts with later on in you know your jujitsu development when you've had a good grasp on basics and you kind of understand like basic concepts and reactions and things like that um but it definitely doesn't start in the beginning like if you take a fresh white belt it'll be very hard to learn from instructionals solely because there's no guidance i think you other can... than what's I think you can run it as a sidetrack thing to supplement if you want to watch and study and listen and think about it. And I think that's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, to give you some extra insight. I think that part is okay. Um, but uh, like I said, in person, um, getting the time in. And I think the really the best way when you go to class is you leave there with a problem when you're new. Mm -hmm. And you go home and you think about the problem and what the solution is. And then maybe you come back and you ask somebody about it and they give you some insight. And then you try and work on that problem. Like, hey, this keeps happening to me every time I do this. And then somebody tells you, yeah, this is the problem. And then, okay, so I'm going to try not to do that. You go and you work on it. And then, okay, if I fix the problem. And if you solve problems like that when you're starting out then you start to pick up i think information very quickly yeah yeah that's a good point because one experience i had with that exact same scenario is i entered my first tournament as a white belt i was stuck in a triangle for a little while and somehow i got out but then that bothered me even though i won the tournament that still bothered me that you know, I had no solution to this problem, mm -hmm. which was being stuck in the triangle. So all I did when I went back to training was focus on 
one, getting myself into a triangle right, and then working from there to escape and practice my defense and my escapes from that triangle position so that if I ever run into that scenario again, I'm, I know exactly what I need to do to um, solve the problem. So, yeah. And it's a I, good, uh, I think that you, you touch on something very important there that you need to go in and face problems, not like, oh, I'm never going to play top game again because I got triangled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a exactly. lot of people do that. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, I think it just has to deal with, you know, a lot of like we were talking about in the first um, in the first uh, episode of this was like the fight or flight, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's either you fight or you you run away from the problem. Um, and uh, unfortunately, a lot of people just want to run away because I don't know, maybe it's too hard for them to figure out, or they don't just don't want to put in the work into solving that problem that they had. But that is, and they but that is the whole run. the whole point of going and working on this stuff, isn't it? To people like uh, you and I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but maybe, maybe not to everybody. I mean, that's that's where you see the the progression, right? Who progresses faster and who doesn't progress as fast? Who wants to solve problems and who just wants to kind of get away with things? Because I'll tell you one thing that's true. If you go in and you get uh, submitted every round for the whole night, or mm -hmm. you go in and you win every round for the whole night, nobody gives a shit either way. Yeah. Yeah. So it's worth it to get into these, these bad situations. And that's a whole nother topic, but you know, there, you got to realize that there, there's actually a lot of satisfaction in being able to defend and escape. Oh yeah. Cause if you're able to defend somebody's a game, it just throws them off so much. Um, and you won't, you won't understand that until, you know, you're probably like later in your um, jujitsu journey. But uh, yeah, I mean, it throws, it throws that person that you're um, sparring with or whatever you're doing, it throws them off a lot um, when you're able to just shut down pretty much their best techniques. And then it that's what that's part of being a good training partner because it pushes the other person to want to solve that problem. You know, why didn't this work um, on this person? What were they doing to stop my best techniques? And how do I how do I uh, develop my best techniques to to um, solve their defenses? So that is the theory of uh, iron sharpens iron. But yes. I just saw on the internet that iron cannot actually sharpen iron. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's probably just a old saying. I think somebody who's actually a metal worker, um, two blades, two blades cannot sharpen one another. Uh, uh, the only way to sharpen, sharpen an iron is to use a tool with a different edge or texture. <laughs> yeah. I wonder where it, where it, Wherever that came from, I mean, it's a it's a good saying. It, it stands the test of time. I mean, it sounds very inaccurate. Good. It sounds good on paper. I mean, maybe maybe back in the day, maybe back in the day, yeah. that's what they used. Um, but oh, probably ended up with uh, very blunt swords. 
All right. Well, I'm sorry. I just found on the internet that the reference is to the Bible. Oh, Jesus. Literally. Yeah. Sorry about that. Okay. It was that's a, a, that's a touchy topic. It was, I guess, Proverbs 27, 17. I'll put a link to the quote in the, in the episode <laughs> description, uh, clearly intended as a metaphor. Um, I don't know why they said it. I don't know. I'm going to have to look into this, but I'll, I'll post the some uh, biblical, biblical war that was going on. Do we know, Uh, do we know any? I'm not trying to, not trying to offend uh, any uh, super religious people right now. There's a, there's a long, I got to read this for the next episode, but we're going to, we're going to be back to tell you why iron does not sharpen iron. (laughs) No, it's uh, the origins of iron sharpens iron. It's going to be a whole, I'll do a whole solo episode on Proverbs 2717. (laughs) It's just Bible, Bible verses that um, stood the test of time. Um, yeah, but it's funny because like, um, non, non-religious people, they, they, they'll use that reference, uh, which is pretty funny. Iron sharpens iron. They probably didn't even, yeah, they probably didn't even know that it came from the Bible. Yeah. Shit. I didn't know. The only Bible verse I know is Ezekiel twenty-five seventeen. Ah, yes. Where were we? Learning from instructionals, go to class, learn in person. Anything else? Yeah. I mean... Yeah, don't waste your money uh, just yet. Uh, get a good foundation. Take the time to listen to what your instructors have to say. And, you know, you're paying, you're paying for jujitsu classes and jujitsu instruction. Mm. So you should utilize what you're already paying for versus immediately supplementing something that you're getting. See, and then I think that's a part of the impatience. Like maybe if I buy instructionals, uh, yeah, I'll learn faster. Point. Yeah. And I guess too, like if somebody is really adamant on learning um, certain positions that maybe they aren't covering in class that week, but they might've covered it a different time. And you're, you're very interested in learning these positions. Yeah, I would see why you would buy an instructional on that specific thing. So like a side study, like I had mentioned, a sidetrack study, something that you're learning off the mats, but kind of supplements. Yeah, but there's no freaking way that a new student could, unless you're some savant, you know. Or, or if you have, (laughs) if you have autism. Exactly. But yeah, there's, there's not... Yeah, there's not really a possibility that as a brand new student that you would have the capability to really like understand these things until you've built a proper foundation, which hopefully you're being taught in whatever academy you're in. If you've if you've never done uh, martial art type stuff, but maybe you lifted weights, you would think about it like, would you like to learn lifting weights from somebody who's standing behind you and can correct your form or would you like to send your form to an online place and have them send you back their feedback that's kind of the difference here yeah yeah like a like a trainer you mean yeah like send us your video and we'll critique your form not quite the same as somebody telling you hey on that okay the last one where your hands were uh let's try and move your hands in or something like that 
Mm. Yeah, I mean, nothing beats in-person instruction mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day because you get direct feedback um, from in-person instruction. Right. There is one thing you need to be careful of. And that, What's that? That is learning from other white belts. <laughs> or blue belts. Or blue belts. Um, I know they mean well. Not to say, not to say that there aren't some exceptional blue belts, but I'm sure there's blue belts that could like, you know, fuck for people the most up. Part. Yeah, but you know, like the things that they're gonna miss, mostly. I mean, on average, you should kind of maybe listen, smile, and then carry on. But I see, I see some wild wild uh white belt seminars yeah i've seen some blue belt seminars as well but i think i think the reason why that they go to them is because they're more they might be more reachable you know mm -hmm. what i mean like they feel like they can't ask the black belt or the purple belt or the brown belt these questions so on that note would you say go ask go bother them oh yeah for sure I did it on it benefit mm -hmm. benefited me a lot because you want to it's just it just makes common I mean it's just common sense right why would you ask somebody of a lower skill level a question when you could ask somebody of the highest skill level that same question and probably most likely get a better answer yeah but the lower skill guy might tell you what you're doing looks good <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess if you want that, you know, like we were saying, instant gratification, yeah. then go for it. But as far as your development goes, it might be, you might be doing the same, the wrong shit for a long time, you, only to find out either through self-discovery or through somebody. Dire consequences. Yeah. Somebody just destroying you. That was wrong this whole time. Yeah, and the longer that it takes for you to find out it's wrong, I think the worse off you get. Yeah, it kind of makes you like, I think I've had these scenarios where I thought I, what I was doing was correct and then somebody else corrected me, but I didn't think like I wasted my time. I think it was just part of like the learning process, right? Mm -hmm. But for other people, it might be just like, oh shit, like do I have to um, question my entire uh, jujitsu jiu game? Because, yeah, basically, because I was doing, existence. I don't know if I'm doing the wrong thing for everything. Yeah. Yeah, that would suck. So, okay. I think, I think that's a pretty good um, kind of in-depth look at, you know, the instructional, because it is kind of overwhelming the amount of instructionals and information that's out there and available. It's good. Right, but it it can be overwhelming, and if you're not sure how to utilize that or where you should spend mm -hmm. your time and energy, I think that can end up working against you a little bit. Oh yeah, for sure, because you're just getting a bunch of pieces of information that even in the instructionals, you know, even in the best instructionals, they don't teach you everything, mm -hmm. and you could get. I wouldn't say necessarily better answers, but you can get a lot more from asking your instructor if they're if they are a very good instructor. 
they would probably know what you're referencing right away. Yeah, there there are some instructionals that cover everything, but unfortunately, uh, you're going to have to buy 12 different instructionals and watch eight different discs on each of those. And you're going to try and do it in like two weeks. And it needs to take you like, you know, a few years. Yeah, especially in jujitsu, because there are like almost infinite amount of responses to certain things. There's no way an mm. instructional would cover all of those. I'll tell you one thing the instructional will not cover you for is that is the response from a white belt because you have no idea what a white belt <laughs> is going to do. I'm just kidding. Ever. I'm just kidding. I love, I love white belts. I was a white belt. Probably did the same yeah, shit. Yeah, no hate. No hate to white belts, but you know, probably did the same shit. Some of the things, some of the things that white belts do, yeah, probably, yeah. Some of the things that you know, new people do are just so ridiculous. Ah, they mean well. Yeah, I mean, it's they're just learning, right? It's supposed to be fun to watch. If nobody gets hurt, <laughs> if, yeah. If well, it's so, it's it's fun until somebody gets hurt, yeah. and that's when. And that's when you're like, shit, I probably should have stopped it earlier. I probably should not have let those two guys spar together. <laughs> yeah, but it's so freaking, oh, God, it's freaking entertaining. Yeah, you got to love the spirit. They have, uh, yeah. So I think that uh, we can continue. I think maybe on the next one, I'll, I'll take a look at the order that these things are in. But for today... Yeah covering the instructional, how to use it. And so what is the summary overall message? Go to class. Go to class. Go to class. Ask the higher belt questions. Get credible information. Yeah, get credible information. And take your time. It's not Instagram. It's not going to happen overnight. That's why it wouldn't be gratifying if everybody figured it out in two weeks. Yeah. Or people would just be freaking monsters. Uh, some people would, some people get it pretty quick. No, people uh, do get it quick. Those are, those are rare. If you're not, if you're not partially, well, even if you're partially stupid, you should get it pretty quick. No, they but say, if you're just completely inept, then, uh, yeah. No, you know, they say that there, if you go to class consistently, there, you will, there's no way you will not get better. I don't know, dude. <laughs> I don't know, man. Because there's some people, <laughs> there's some people well, that go to class okay. a lot and, yeah, still have no fucking okay. clue. If you're going to class a lot and you're not getting better, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, I think if you go go to class and you pay attention and you actually try the techniques that you're learning, there is a high possibility that you will get it. But if you don't listen, if you don't pay attention to details, and if you just try and do the same things, then you're probably not going to get any better. Or if you think that you're smarter than everybody and you try to do it your own way versus what's being taught the correct way, uh, you're definitely not going to get it. Yes, there's that. So with that, I think uh, should just about wrap up 
this uh, segment for your progress as a beginner in jiu-jitsu. We'll be back again with the next step, part three. And also later this week, look for a solo episode on why iron does not sharpen iron. <laughs> right? Awesome. All right. Okay. Thanks for, yeah. thanks for being here. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Professor Will. And we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>